Hey, welcome. I'm your host, Gregory Ricks, a financial advisor here to answer your questions and help you win with your money. And I'm your co-host, James Parker. Today, you're going to learn Riley's Laws of Tax Planning. Over the years, we've seen people get real creative with some of these tax write-off schemes. And Gregory's going to teach you some rules of the road on how far it might be too far. If you want to do a little deeper dive into this topic, we have a complimentary download and some show notes waiting for you. Go to gregoryricks.com slash podcast 41. This is episode 41, so it's gregoryricks.com slash podcast 41. Riley's Laws of Tax Planning. And number one, James kind of hinted at it. It is what it is. Deal with it. He states the law originates with a response I used to have to less experienced staff and sometimes clients when one of them would say about a particular tax rule, that doesn't make sense. The writer goes on to say, my response was, that's not a requirement in light of TCJA. Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Okay. You should note that anything you read does not send you to a primary source or sources like thousand plus pages of statue and committee explanation was probably written by somebody who doesn't know what they're writing about. The more prestigious their source is, the more likely you're getting third hand information. Be careful with what's being propositioned to you and how it's sourced. Number two, sometimes it's just better to pay the taxes. When you're trying to save money on something, how far should you go? Sometimes schemes to save taxes are not consistent with other goals. Code section 1031 is one of the handiest items in his bag of tricks. Is a good illustration. And he goes on to say, and I'm going to share this paragraph with you. Imagine someone has had their real estate ship come in and they've sold a property with a negligible basis for $5 million, an alternative to having $4 million in after-tax dollars to do with as you please is to exchange it into a Walgreens. Then you have a property with a long lease that yields you a cap rate in the 5% vicinity. On a, on a per-square-foot basis, it is worth maybe $2.5 million. You need to ask yourself, if what you had was $4 million, would you buy what it is in effect? A Walgreens bond with some downside protection. If not, it is better to pay the taxes. You could end up, wind up getting yourself in a bigger mess. These are sort of rules of the road that give you, it's not black and white, but a little gray area on when you've gone too far. Yeah, somebody tells you, you know, a friend of mine has a friend that set up a company offshore and they hardly don't pay taxes anymore. Okay. We're talking about these rules for that reason. Number three, any clever idea that pops into your head probably has or will have a corresponding rule that makes it not work. So in one case, these 16 rules could become more because somebody comes up with some other idea. Tax planning, particularly more at a delicate level, is something of an arms race between clever people coming up with cute ideas and legislators and regulators cleaning up behind them or sometimes anticipating their Villainy. So when something pops into your head, there's a good chance that yours is not the first head 
into which it popped. And uh, he, he added here, I have added or will have because the Tax Cut and Jobs Act has not yet been fleshed out. And I like this is my favorite sentence of number three. The decrepit state of the internal revenue service might make for anything goes atmosphere for a while, but they're going to catch up. James, you mentioned that, it, it, hey, they might get lucky and might not, but that's unlikely. It's just going to be really bad when they do catch up with what you were doing. You're playing Russian roulette with your freedom. Because, well, I mean, what, what's in the balance here? You might save a few bucks or go to prison. So that's a, that's a pretty big gamble, a uh, roll of the dice you're taking there. Number four, execution isn't everything, but it's a lot. He derived this law mainly from reading cases, but also from some real-life experience. One batch of cases where it shows up a lot is family limited partnership. The ones that get blown up usually have people showing no respect for the entities they've established. They just kind of use it as a way to shift money. Be careful with that. If, if structure calls for different entities, they should all be actually formed and each should execute its own transactions. Think about that. Number five, a tax plan that ignores SALT or AMT and uh, what is that? Uh, state and local taxes. AMT is alternative minimum tax. So he, he's, he noted here, I changed the order of this one because SALT, which is state and local income tax, has risen in importance under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And AMT will affect fewer people. Not all states tie their codes to the Internal Revenue Service, so there will be more state federal differences. And if this is something you have to take in mind, e even with your deductions and all, and it was really designed for minimizing the deductions the wealthy could take, but it's affecting more people lower down now as well. Number six, he states, don't do the math in your head. Tax law is full of thresholds and phase outs and other complications so that when somebody tells you that it is easy, you can just take X percentage of Y and Z and A, and you have your answer. They may be right most of the time, but their answer will also be wrong often enough that you don't want to do it. Serious planning requires running through a plan, through an actual return, and being sensitive to various interactions. And, oh, yeah, the uh, fifth law will come back, you know, the one with the SALT and the uh, AMT. Oh, you know, and, and this is one reason I talk about do do a practice 1040 of what you're wanting to do. So you kind of know ahead of time, don't do this and then get there and say, well, that didn't work. Number seven, read the instructions. I've, I, he, he's cleaned this one up to make it Forbes worthy. He states here instructions to forms are not authority but they usually reference it pretty well. Putting the numbers where they belong makes you look more compliant, which is almost, if not more important, than actually being compliant. When returns are done by hand, people ignore this rule more often than they should have. Number eight, both before and after thinking outside the box. <laughs> I love this one. You know, I, I, and I've been known to use that thinking outside the box, but sometimes you might want to lift that lid and look inside the 
box. Sometimes the simple, straightforward, most obvious answer turns out to be the optimal answer. Don't rule out that possibility in your desire to be creative. And you think about it, something, you know, I do the workarounds and stuff and you know what? We should just go straight through the box. Tell the preparer what the plan is. There's a huge gap between very sophisticated tax planners and people who actually prepare returns. It is not unusual for a plan to be passed from the planner to the principal, then to the preparer. In the partnership area, this preparer is sometimes not provided with a copy of the partnership agreement and might not read it or understand if it is available. You know, that's something I've had numbers of discussions over the years with tax preparers. And um, gosh, it, it even goes back to the uh, 60 day rollover rule. Like, you know, they're wanting proof or, you know, there's times where it just it is a disconnect. And, and I think it's very important to have it in sync between the financial advisor and the CPA. Uh, number 10, once the tax is more than you can pay, it might not matter how much more. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Once it gets so bad, you can't even climb out of it. The IRS knows that it cannot get blood from a stone and Congress in the nineties put it in substantial due process requirements that restrain the IRS from taking collection actions. If you find yourself in such deep water that even the best case scenario, you're still going to drown arguing about the correct amount of tax is an academic exercise. You need to start working with people who specialize in collections you should not ever expect your regular tax advisors to understand the nuances of collections. Kind of when you shift into that phase, you got to shift for different help. Well, you don't need to be spending time. your time and resources saying, I don't owe $1.9 million in taxes. I owe $1.8 million. No, you might just want to get to the collection phase. Yeah. See, it's a lot of, when it comes down, it's pretty simple. Number 11, you got, you got to like this one. Pigs get fed, hogs get slaughtered. It can be a good idea to be a little aggressive in your tax planning, but do not get carried away. Where was I at? 12. Number 12. Any new business concept will be pitched as a tax dodge. And, you know, and, and the IRS does not like workarounds. They don't like tax dodges. They don't like self-dealing. Tax savings can seem like free money. Anything that seems like free money will attract scoundrels. Be wary of pitches that seem to rely heavily on tax concerns. If all they talk about is tax saving, and you hear that, and it's like, you know, something's amiss there, and you kind of like, there, there's no way that can happen. You end up in a situation like that. You know what you need to Call my office and run it by. We, we have some people that rip these things apart and show them for what they are. When I read 12, I interpreted it a little different than what it was explained. And it made me think of a, uh, a conversation I had with my brother-in-law over Thanksgiving. He built houses on the side and he was saying, well, what if I just have this entity and I lose money every year and I can just use it to, to write off some of the income I have from my day job? I don't know what the time limit is, but I know Jude and you've both said you can't have a business that continually loses money every year without the IRS going, excuse me, this is a tax dodge. 
And yeah, it, well, it's almost like going, you, you like this hobby, but you kind of need to go into business so you can write it off because it loses money every year. It's kind of like the horse, horse racing business, for example. I don't think those always go well. So don't be offended if it is going well. But my, my point is, and I've told this people, I said, you know, you do have to make money occasionally in that thing, or they're going to disallow it. Yeah. yeah. Or it is a hobby and it's, <laughs> that is, you can't, <laughs> and you're using your hobby as a tax dodge. So that's what I thought. Number 12 was talking about. Yeah. Number 13, when an idea makes you think of a Seinfeld episode, it is not going to end well. You know, what we're getting at is if it seems complicated and implausible, which kind of goes along with my story there, think about what Kramer would do. If Kramer would try it, then you shouldn't. Like when he was going to return all the bottles for 10 cents in Maine, if he could just get them there cheap enough. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Number 14, if something is a listed transaction, just don't do it. That's something you should click on and go see that list on the IRS website. There's a list of transactions that are no-nos. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, there's just some reading there. Number 15, if somebody calls you up to talk about your unpaid federal taxes, just hang up. When you get that call, there's two possibilities. One is that it is a scammer. The other is that it's one of the collection agencies that have been foisted on by the IRS, by the Congress. Clearly hanging up on the first is the right thing to do. Even though I would probably try to amuse myself by stringing them along, in the latter case, it requires a bit more discussion. You can't life. hurt yourself by hanging up on those people, period. You can only hurt yourself by talking. Oh, we've told that story many times. You, people get themselves in trouble by continuing conversations, and you're making judgment errors there. Number 16, being right without substantiation can be as bad as being wrong. Sometimes the Koan rule will bail you out, but there are many other areas where lack of substantiation is fatal. Number 17, don't cut your deadlines close and use the U.S. mail as proof of mailing. Sometimes deadlines, tax court petitions, for example, are very strict and others have mild but annoying consequences for missing. And then he's got a number 18 here, honest objective trumps realistic expectation. One of the problems with his laws, since they are largely largely drawn from case law, is they can lean a little negative. This one is positive. It is directed towards Section 183 hobby loss, and it encourages practitioners to support their clients in claiming losses, even when you personally think the prospects of ultimate profitability are slim. Kind of what we touched on a little bit earlier. Yeah. That's just an expensive hobby. All right. That uh, entire list of Riley's Laws of Tax Planning are available at GregoryRicks.com. Look under the news blog. That's going to about do it for today. Thank you very much for hanging out and learning about some of the rules of the road on when your tax planning can go too far with Riley's Laws of Tax Planning. I want to remind you, you have a complimentary download and some show notes waiting on you that might be helpful on this topic. Go to GregoryRicks.com slash podcast 41 gregoryricks.com slash podcast 41. But I do have a day job that goes with that. I'm a financial advisor. 
money manager, IRA Sherpa, in a sense, help people with all these types of questions regarding the required minimum distributions, how to handle rollovers, how to set it up, how to grow it. Where are you on your financial path? Do you know where you're headed? How is it going to look when you get there? What is your risk number? My office number is 504-832-9200 or go to gregoryricks.com. Thanks for hanging out today. We do this six days a week. Catch all of our episodes live and on podcast with winningatlife.com and the Winning at Life app. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management, Gregory Ricks and Associates, WJ Blanchard Law, LLC, J. Heath and Company, and Mortgage Gumbo are not affiliated companies. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Annuities are insurance contracts designed for retirement or other long-term needs. They provide guarantees of principal and credited interest subject to surrender charges. Annuity guarantees and protections are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of the issuing insurer. Roth conversion is a taxable event and may have several tax-related consequences. Be sure to consult with a qualified tax advisor before making any decisions regarding your IRA. examples have been provided for illustrative purposes only. It does not represent a real-life scenario and should not be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. Gregory Ricks and Associates is not permitted to offer and no statement made during the show shall constitute legal or tax advice. Our firm is not affiliated or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Gregory Ricks and Associates. We are Winning at Life with Gregory Ricks.